gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And we are recording, yes, we are here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet Central. The weekly news show here provided to you by the good folks at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, who you can find at Suplex Retweet on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Find us on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet community, and if you want to listen to other shows like East Meets West, Saturday Draft Live, not the Raw Report anymore, sadly, or our feature shows such as our career retrospective on the Legion of Doom that just dropped last week, then you can find us Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. Now, we have, we have many, many, many great people that, you know, were part of this podcasting group. We have, and not one of them has bothered their ass to help me and my, my guest tonight. It's, it was me and Grant on the live stream alone, and now it's me and Grant again. Apparently, the only people that work on this channel. I know who'd ever thought it would just come down to just the two of us. The, Ryan Gallagher calls himself the last professional broadcaster, but where is he? He's, he's, the, mo- he's the last absent broadcaster, maybe. I was about to say, we're the only second broadcasters on this show. <laughs> um, we, would you call it, we, when we were like, sorting doing this, at the start of the weekend, didn't look like there was much to talk about, and now there is an absolute boatload to talk about and get through in the next hour or so. Uh, only place we can really start, really, is uh, NXT TakeOver. Uh, NXT TakeOver took place this weekend. Uh, what's the TakeOver name? It was Vengeance Day. Vengeance Day, thank you. It used to be, it used to be like it was either a number or it was the city name, and I'm like, what was that called? <laughs> Genuinely, I had it right before I said the sentence, and then completely lost it. Um, we'll not talk about the main event just yet, uh, but spoilers ahead. Obviously, for this, for TNA's No Surrender, and for um, Monday Night Raw. The other four matches on the card were Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai winning the female Dusty Cup, the first ever women's Dusty Cup. Uh, they beat Shots of Blackheart and Ember Moon. Johnny Gargano retaining the North American title against Kushida. Um, MSK defeating the Grizzled Young Veterans in the men's Dusty Cup final. And Io Shirai retaining her women's title in a triple threat match with Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. Grand, out of those four, what was your match of the night and what was your overall thoughts on the show as a whole? I'd say out of those four, uh, MSK vs Grizzled Young Vets was just mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. That was one of the best tag matches I, I can really think of in the last year. Absolutely wonderful to watch. But the whole show yeah, was just uh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the whole show was great. I I absolutely hated the fact that I had uh, a mass of uni work. I spent 13 hours on Monday chained to my desk. <laughs> I watched uh, TakeOver in stages and each stage made me raging that I had to go back to uni work. You know, I don't like doing it most of the time, but having to go back each time, like, oh God, <laughs> after each match, especially after Kushido, Johnny Gargano, that for me was uh, my personal match of the night, especially <laughs> Kushida's impression of Bishop Brennan, where he <laughs> ran, <laughs> ran the length of the NXT stage to kick Johnny Gargano, not up the arse, but in the arm. Uh, I thought they had a great back and forth match, and me and you talked on the preview show about how a loss might hurt one or the other. Um, I don't think anyone came out a loser on that match. So, Grant, me and you said on the live stream that a, a loss might hurt 
one compared to the other. You know, Kashira's had these injuries, not wanting to be another Hideo Itami. Uh, we've had Johnny Gargano, the curse of Gargano at TakeOver and defending titles. But I don't think anyone came out any worse for wear here. I thought the match itself was great. I loved before the match even started, <laughs> Dexter Loomis abducting Austin Theory. <laughs> and the, the match itself just sensational from start to finish. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised. Like they, they had a completely clean, no interference match. Loomis appearing at the beginning, some of the memes that have came off that, me, her, travel plans, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't say that. A man who should be in Amsterdam next week, uh, I found that one a bit close to the bone. And the fact that you had uh, the the way like, oh god, what was I was going to say? I was, <laughs> it was just that it's just that daft, like um, like Loomis tweeting off Theory's Twitter now. Yeah, and just pictures of his face right up at the thing. <laughs> Like the, the match oh. was incredible. Like as you say, kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse, but instead kicking Johnny Gargano in the arm. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It was, it was just, it was a fantastic. Like the counters, that twist suplex. God, I'm just the the brutality. I think we knew Gargano obviously a submission expert. Kashida being a submission expert. I think there was so many false finishes, not from pinfall perspectives, but. Like so many times, but like that's uh, Johnny's got to tap, Johnny's got to tap, Johnny. Oh no, Kushida can't tap here, Kushida can't tap here. <laughs> and then ended up, well, Kushida get pinned, and you're like, well, actually, that wasn't that bad. That continues the storyline going forward. Aye, it, they've done it, like, they've, they've left it open. I, I would love to see another match, but even have a little bit of a break between it. Maybe have Loomis come in mm-hmm. for a little bit and then build Kushida up even more. So when he does dethrone Gargano, it's going to be monumental. They've done that before with feuds like uh, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. They had the first match, then they had like they added Kane in a triple threat, so Kane could take the pin, and Bryan had something to moan about, and then they did the the blow off at Money in the Bank. So I, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing maybe Theory and Loomis coming in to maybe do a fatal four way. You could test like Theory's loyalties after he's maybe been brainwashed by Loomis and Loomis. <laughs> being the guy to take the pin, even though, you know, Kushida had it won. And then, as you said, yeah, keep it fresh, keep him keep him going strong, but at the same time, keep the title on Gargano until he's ready to drop it to Kushida. That's it, build the, build the title up a wee bit more as well, rather than didn't want to hot potato it too soon. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the, the women's Dusty Cup final? Because uh, you've said the men's Dusty Cup final was your match of the night. I, I thought it was like, I thought it was a good match, but um, one of the comments on her live stream was, do we think Raquel Gonzalez is a bit too green? I didn't think she was bad in the match. I felt Dakota Kai was a bit, a bit hit and miss at times. I felt I, just I, some of the things she was going for just didn't come off. I, I felt Dakota, like none of them in the whole match came across as bad. It was still, it was still a brilliant match, but I think they put so much of a showcase on Raquel Almost to the expense yeah. of Dakota, almost to the ex- expense of Dakota to make her look a little bit weaker. Like she needed, yeah. like the, the sheer amount of punishment Gonzalez took to actually even get her off her feet was incredible. Yeah, she did take a lot of punishment. She has been the sort of focal point. I, I do get that point. She was, um, you know, it was Dakota Kai. She was maybe this whole new, I don't give a shit attitude about herself. You know, stemming from War Games 2019, and then from February, it's just sort of been. Oh, by the way, Gonzalez is here. She's she's basically become the diesel. She's slowly started to overshadow the <laughs> guy. Uh, 
and become bigger than he uh, than she is. Um, but yeah, congratulations to both of them. Historic win. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the women's championship match. That went 12 minutes. It was the shortest match on the card. Um, Triple H, when being interviewed after the show uh, for WWE on Facebook, said the girls knew they had 20 minutes start to finish. Uh, a couple of things didn't go their way and basically they decided they had got all their shit in in 13 minutes. So decided just to bring it home early. What's your thoughts about that? Would you like, do you think it was just a case of, you know, we've seen the Spanish announce table, sorry, the, the normal announce table break. Apparently it was Vic Joseph, by the way. Apparently he bumped it and it was set to break. And because he bumped it, it just exploded on itself. <laughs> <laughs> like it, I was, like I, I went. I, I was like, that was a fast match. Like it was just as soon as they didn't even really get the announcements and just they went straight at it. I was like, all right, this is going to be fast paced. But yeah, the ending just seemed to come. Like I was really enjoying the match, but the ending did to me come out of nowhere. With, like as much as the moonsault came out of nowhere from Io Shirai, it was just bam done. I was like, what the hell just happened? I enjoyed it. I think it could have been benefited by a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, I certainly think so as well. But I think the women just basically thought, look, tonight's not our night. A couple of things have went wrong. It's been a good enough match. Let's bring it home and not, you know, rip the absolute out of it. Aye, definitely. <laughs> um, so blame Vic Joseph for if you didn't like the women's title match. Um, we're, we're going to move on to the... And as I wear my, my Adam Cole t-shirt here, we're going to call this segment Bye Bye Baby because Pete Dunne and Finn Balor had an absolutely stellar NXT Championship match. They had possibly one of the best matches I think WWE's produced this year. You know, obviously, we're only at the start of the year, but I think that well could be a contender for match of the year in WWE. We we saw the tag team champions on a lot of Danny Burch attack Finn Balor after the match. Undisputed Era, who's have Kyle O'Reilly especially, has, has sort of uneasy respect, love and rivalry thing with um, with Finn Balor. We saw, I honestly thought when the logo went up, Finn was going to do the Undisputed Era <laughs> sign because Finn Balor wins a match, as we said, they get attacked. Undisputed Era come down, Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, but, uh, Kyle O'Reilly definitely not Bobby Fish, he's injured again. <laughs> um, they, chase off, they chase off the, the challengers and then as all three members of the Undisputed Era do the Undisputed Era logo, I thought Finn was going to do it. Shut up, Bill. I thought Finn was going to do it. That was my dog there, sorry about that. <laughs> Only for Adam Cole, baby, to super kick Finn Balor right between the eyes, much to the shock of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. Roderick Strong sort of went along with it. Adam Cole was the one that brought him into the group. But Kyle O'Reilly was quite pissed off and he ate a super kick for his troubles too. I don't know about you, but I could almost hear David Hawkins heartbreaking as that super kick connected. See, I, I've, I've been sending him the target of many memes and my favourite is probably, for anyone that's a fan of Scrubs, when JD goes to visit <laughs> Dr Cox and Dr Cox is a broken man so I came here to tell you how proud I am. Not because you wear your championship replica title to every taping, but because after 20 years being a wrestling fan when Adam turned on Kyle you still took it this hard that's the kind of wrestling <laughs> fan I want to be <laughs> if you'd like to know what my reaction was it was um, if you've ever seen the gif of Chris Pratt from Parks and Recreation 
So, <laughs> because I, I it, it's something. Maybe you're more used to it being a New Japan fan. I think um, New Japan, anyone, not anyone can go for the title, but people are always booked pretty much. Like you know when someone's in line for a shot, and you know when someone's time's done in the main event. But it's never like a swagger or Jinder Mahal where it's just like you're back down here, you're never getting back here again. It, like <laughs> people go in and out, and NXT do do that as well. You know, Champa been in Dusty Classic in this sort of rivalry partnership with uh, Thatcher. Johnny Gargano is now in the mid-card with the NXT title, uh, sorry, North American title. Adam Cole just sort of disappeared. He, he sort of became Kyle Riley's hype man for a bit. Yeah, aye. You've got, you've got that I, kind of right in the money there. Yeah, and like to me, who's used to seeing WWE, and it's just a case of like these are the top guys. We know these are the top guys. You know, when say like a when a Rock and Triple H aren't in the title picture, and it's Undertaker versus Stone Cold, or Rock and Triple H will go have a feud in the corner, and you know, you know that's championship implications. Adam Cole was off TV, and I feel he's far too good to be off TV. I feel he is he like. The reason it's just me and you tonight is because the other guys are recording an NXT Mount Rushmore special that will be on the Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, channel soon. If you're doing a male Mount Rushmore of NXT, Adam Cole, I think, has to be on there. And with rumours that the NXT title is going to be at WrestleMania, I don't know how you can have Adam Cole. Adam Cole versus Finn Balor for the NXT title at WrestleMania, that is a WrestleMania match. Why? Without a doubt. And you're right, like, having Cole off TV just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm kind of used to it, like, Japan done it, Naito dropped a double gold at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. But he didn't disappear off cards entirely. He kind of had a mini feud with pretty much a jobber. But it was, st- it, it's still a case of, it doesn't matter, like, I've I done a comparison, I think, with Scott, and I said it would be like, it'd be like John Cena dropping the WWE belt, going right to the bottom to go up against Zack Ryder for a feud for a while. If you do it right, yeah. it still keeps them relevant and gives credence for them coming straight back in the title picture at a later point. And it elevates yeah, everyone yeah. involved. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, it does elevate everyone involved. It, it's just a case of, obviously, it's not something I'm used to being a like, classic WWE viewer. Like, I, I'm, you know, where is my Dwayne? Where is my Austin? Where is my Triple H? I want them all and I want them now. You know, like, I want all my toys out of the toy box. Spoiled. Um, <laughs> Exactly, spoiled. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. You know, Bobby Fish is obviously going to be off TV, so it looks like it'll be Kyle and Finn in a team, and Roderick Strong and Adam Cole in a team. I'm, I'm really looking forward to where this could go, and that's, I think that's the beauty of when, you know, something happens that's just so unexpected. I know because I'm trying to. I've been trying to fantasy book it in my head as to how I would like to see it go down and things like Roddy. I, I think would be great. Like eventually trying to play peacemaker at first, then eventually be made to choose a side, going off on his own and doing his own thing in the back of it because people forget Roderick Strong is an incredibly talented in ring talent. Yeah, he was actually. I believe he got to the semi-finals of the not the Cruiserweight Classic, but like the Cruiserweight uh, WrestleMania title tournament they died in 2018 where it was Ali and Sergio Alexander. He sort of had his own thing going on at that time. You know, he he came in as Austin Aries partner, never really had anything like come for that because of injury. Then they did the whole, what was like making a murderer in his documentary <laughs> of his childhood. 
Um, and, you know, fans get really behind him. He was in the Dusty Classic with Pete Dunne. He was in the Cruiserweight Classic. He built up all this goodwill. And then the perfect heel turn, all that goodwill, he stomped it into the mat. And he stomped Pete Dunne's face into the mat and joined the Undisputed Era. That was absolutely outstanding. I loved that moment because I thought I thought Undisputed Era win this. This is going to be Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong winning this. And he just done that out of nowhere. I was like, wow, where, where did this come from? That, it's a genuine shock. And again, Undisputed Era involved in a genuine shock angle. Mm-hmm. They, they have been just, like, if, if you want, you could just put all four of them on that Mount Rushmore because since 2016 they have provided us with so many moments uh, it was uh, August 2017 they debuted together as a unit 17 and so I, I was thinking 16 I don't know why 16 was Joe and Nakamura although 16 does bring me to the point of we talk about O'Reilly going up against Cole and that was their last singles match in Ring of Honor and oh my god brutal so good I'd like to maybe see Kyle take now Adam win it and then it would be good to see Kyle win it from Adam Cole. Oh, I, I would, I would absolutely kill for that. Kyle just, he's an incredible wrestler. I, I'm so glad that I got to see him back, like two years back at Progress when he came to Super Strong Style. Like it, it was just incredible to watch, like him and Chris Ridgeway and stuff like that. Ultimate striking because Kyle's striking ability is phenomenal. Sticking on NXT, we've got a couple of more NXT uh, things to talk about. The pay in NXT apparently is something that came up on Wrestling Observer uh, Radio with Dave Meltzer. He was talking about the NXT guys not being on as much as the Raw and SmackDown guys. Now, in a pandemic, this might seem a little unfair. However, I think we have to take um, what the NXT people do compared to what the main roster do. Uh, The main roster are all over the world. They're all, you know, they need to pay their own travel. They're on the road, you know, 300 out of 365 days a year. NXT do monthly tours where they do three nights in one set, like, area. And then the rest of the time it is just TV and takeovers. So their basic rate, according to Dave Meltzer, he says, I know someone who's a top guy, not naming any names. You think he'd be on lots of money, but he's on a guarantee of 130 grand uh, a year. And he talks about 130 to 150 is the average uh, wage there. He says Cole may be on more, he should be on more. Finn Balor is definitely on more. Obviously, he came back from the main roster. But he said it's one of the reasons why WWE allow NXT stars to still do Twitch. Adam Cole, for anyone who follows him, does do his own Twitch channel. They're still allowed to do that because they're not as constricted. And I think it is a case of they're allowed to make more money on the side because they are classed as, it's still classed as developmental. Uh, Dakota Kai, she also does one as well under Charlie Girl. Well, there you go. So, because obviously this is linked to the story that came out recently that WWE is clamping down on third party sponsorships because they own the intellectual rights to the characters. They don't want people posting and making money off of other sites, which at first is a bit, oh, that's that, that's a bit rubbish, that. But when you've got, it, it's the same with footballers. Um, footballers are signed to a club. If Manchester United have a sponsorship with Pepsi and then Bruno Fernandes is out <laughs> sponsoring, you know, Sprite. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I said I didn't realise I said Coke or Pepsi or something like that. You know, Manuel sponsored by Coke and Bruno Fernandes is out sponsoring Pepsi. Then 
it does create a conflict of interest because like why is the biggest star of the club we are paying billions of pounds now sponsoring our rival you know what I mean Aye. it's like, scary they, when you see the money <laughs> yeah like, I think I yeah, saw exactly. Mandy, Ro- Mandy Rose done 71 sponsored posts and made over $400,000. Jesus Christ. That is, that is scary. For 71 posts, I was like, wow. It's like, no wonder yeah. there may be feel, maybe, maybe, no wonder you can see why a lot of them might not be happy about losing that sort of additional income. I think she does have a sponsorship with, uh, sorry, my dog's whinging in the background. I'll talk to you in a minute. <laughs> They do have additional sponsorship. Uh, I believe she is a, a company with Sonia Deville. They're still allowed to do stuff like that, but they can't do uh, Twitch streaming. Uh, their cameo is very much monitored. So like if Drew McIntyre can do cameos, but it's cause he's like the biggest star in the company, he's got a bit of leeway. Twitch is very monitored, whereas on NXT, um, it's not because it's not really part of their contract. Uh, and I think it does come down as well to the fact that it's Triple H running NXT, it's Vince McMahon running Aye. Uh, WWE. Maybe he's, maybe they both see it in different ways, you know, and maybe that is why the likes of, you know, Adam Cole and Dakota Kai are still NXT regulars and not main roster regulars. Maybe it's been a case of they've asked to stay there. And I think they've had a couple of stings with people saying controversial things on Twitch streams now. I remember was it a couple of years ago, Rhea Ripley said a, a very, very bad slur, and it, it was it was caught on stream. It's something that was quite a while back. I think it was like two or three years ago, and I could see them maybe being hesitant about having them run loose because you know you're a family friendly company. You're publicly traded traded in the stock yeah. market, so you don't want any form of racial slurs or anything like that, although they do have Hulk Hogan back, so it does what you believe is a bit of a double standard there. <laughs> Look, if you were a champion the 80s, brother, you can say what you like. <laughs> brother. Really wasn't born in the 80s, so she's not allowed to say it. Um, yeah, and, you know, a lot of the things do seem a lot of, seem very NXT uh, related on this opening part of the show because NXT and WWE have apparently they're on a signing spree according to Dave Meltzer uh, now the, the names of everyone have been released but apparently they've signed over two dozen wrestlers this was a, a big thing uh, pre-World of Sport pre-AEW pre you know New Japan and Ring of Honor like splitting up WWE did go about and try get as many talent as possible, try to secure as many talent as possible. They let a lot of people go due to the pandemic and the loss of earnings. However, it does look like they've made money back now and they are going on an absolute signing spree and just some of the people that stick out in that list, uh, Eli Drake, now known as LA Knight, he made an appearance at NXT. (laughs) (laughs) He made an appearance at NXT. Uh, Taya Valkyrie, former Impact, uh, women's champion and wife of current Smack, uh, sorry, Raw superstar uh, John Morrison. So she might. WWE is keen to keep talent together and keep, uh, you know, so as not to damage the relationships. So Tia Valkyrie, we may see her on Raw soon. Uh, and Millie McKenzie, uh, Progress regular, Fierce Females regular, I believe as well. Aye. Uh, she is, I believe she'll be signing with the UK brand, certainly with the travel restrictions at the minute. Uh, so there's three names right off the bat that stick out to 
certainly people like us who are UK wrestling fans. Like Millie McKenzie is a huge one. I mean, I'll be heartbroken that that means the end of the Medusa complex with her and Charlie Evans. Because um, <laughs> Charlie Evans is back over in Australia at the moment. But I mean, Millie did want to go to the UK brand for quite a while. There was obviously one big particular Australian man that was kind of probably putting her off going. Uh, well, know. just for just for legal reasons, we'll clear it up to he was a New Zealander. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I keep yeah. I keep. I got that quite mixed up. But you, anyone, anyone that's in know, anyone that's probably listening to this will probably know who we're talking about. We're not going to name names, yeah. but you know, it, it was a reason she probably didn't sign as soon as she did. She did always make it clear she wanted to go to WWE. And I mean, I've seen some of it. I've seen a lot of her matches on the Indies, um, in person and on demand. And I mean, like you're looking for someone that can go up against the likes of Satamura, who they've just signed. Millie is one of them. The suplex machine is incredible. It's also as well as more, more would you call it more challengers for a uh, current NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. The pandemic and the uh, the stop of NXT <laughs> uh, UK certainly has has led to her being being a bit stagnant, you know. And we have, you know, certainly if you live in Scotland, you have seen Kaylee uh, Ray versus Viper many, many, many times. But it is nice to see some new some new talent coming in. Uh, and I'm just looking here just because we talked about Miller McKenzie being a Progress regular. Uh, Progress is coming to the WWE Network along with ICW. Yes, an absolute, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, obviously a lot of brands suffered a lot of damage during speaking out Progress kind of had to hit the big reset button um, but they are finally coming back they've confirmed two chapters going on the network first one we've got the likes of there's a fatal four way for the uh, number one shot for the title they're bringing back the natural progression series tournament which was always a, a stellar tournament and in the second chapter they're also having the first ever women's thunder bastard match which I don't know what these things are but they sound brilliant uh, also we mentioned Marilyn McKenzie she'll be taking on uh, Mercedes Blades on chapter 104 to week 6 life is a single parent uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, start that for the start again uh, we mentioned Marilyn McKenzie she'll be on chapter 104 uh, she'll be taking on Mercedes Blue uh, that'll be airing 20th of February, 8pm on On Demand Progress and on the WWE Network. So a lot of people were upset when people said things were going to be shown on the network. Maybe thought that subscription services for Progress and ICW would suffer, but no, it's simultaneous broadcasting. It's sort of like what WWE does with their pre-shows. It's on YouTube, Facebook and the network at the same time, you know. And it does get more eyes on the product and with a lot of these people coming in, you know, you saw the reaction Eli Dragunov got for the US crowd at uh, Worlds Collide in 20, at the start of 2020. You know, it'd, it'd be nice that these guys get a bit more exposure before maybe coming over because that was heartbreaking for me. I love Eli Dragunov. Yeah, it's, it, there's nothing worse than seeing like some of the guys that you go absolutely nuts for here in the UK going out into like a big massive crowd and getting very little reaction. So it's, yeah. and this is in progress, it's going to be a lot of the guys shown on the card already. It's not a lot of guys that they've had, they've had a lot of these people appear before, but not in a regular status to the point that they were the big draws. And this is a, it's a very telling moment that it's a kind of passing of the torch. They're not relying on bringing NXT UK guys back into progress to make yes. the numbers up. 
they are trying to build up the new blood. Yeah, I think that's evident with the world title match that will take place. Uh, Cara Noir, who is the defending Progress World Champion, he he sort of a was it the Progression Tournament last year or maybe the year before he came in or was it the Super Strong Style? It was the um, Natural Progression uh, Tournament, if I remember correctly, and he also won he, he also won the uh, 16 Carat Tournament as well for WXW last year, just before the pandemic kicked in. Uh, he'll be taking on Alan Partridge's favourite wrestler, Dan uh, Maloney, <laughs> former NXT UK talent. He, I believe he turned down an NXT UK contract to basically go on his own. And he's been sitting, you know, the, certainly the English side of the UK wrestling scene on fire recently as evidence for the fact that he is in a title match at Natural Progression. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff at Fight Club Pro. I've seen him there quite a few times. Uh, they, although a few people do joke that it's actually his theme music is more over than him, just Dad! <laughs> if, if they use the same entrance music, then everyone will hear it and it will it will become catchy as hell. Uh, Kid Lycos returning to action. He's taking on uh, Chuck Mambo. We've got Spike Trevet, uh, Omari, Gene Murray and Chris Ridgeway in that Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match. And obviously there will be lots more. Not everything's been announced yet, but... Gene Money on the network. That is money. That is golden. I love that man so much. <laughs> we'll, we'll move away from the um, I know you, Sarah and Kwaku through Discovery are massive Gene Money fans. Uh, Gene Money, Super Strong Style 16 was a trend last year on Twitter. It would be great to see him in it. He, he's been quite funny the few times I've been to Discovery. I'm a bit more of a casual viewer compared to you, Kwaku and Sarah, but I'd love to see him there. We'll move on to Monday Night Raw and WWE. Uh, well, so before we move on to WWE uh, main roster, we'll maybe talk about, you mentioned John Cena earlier on, it looks like he's going to be missing WrestleMania this year. He said he's going to be missing WrestleMania because the Peacemaker, who he'll be playing in the DC Universe Suicide Squad 2 film, apparently is getting his own TV show. Uh, DC have their own streaming service, I think they're trying to get a lot more TV shows made for that and try to sort of fill the void of the Arrowverse. Cody Graves has came out and said he thinks Cena's just working everyone. He thinks it's going to be a case of he'll show up and Cena's saying, no, I'm letting people know now because with the world the way it is and with social bubbles and quarantines and what have you, I will not be making WrestleMania. Is that a work? <laughs> I, I honestly think he's genuinely going to miss it. Um, and to be honest, I don't think it's the worst idea either. You know, if they're bringing him back, they've got to try and find a way to explain where the hell did he go after the Firefly Funhouse match? And what the hell happened? <laughs> like, he'd have to come back as a completely different character, otherwise it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, you see me disappear into the, the great beyond, but I am back from I'm back from my home planet. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go now. My planet needs me. Yeah, I, I think with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton sort of trying to pardon me, remove the wounds that was the terrible match at WrestleMania 33. That's going to be one of the big matches on the card. They've built far too much towards it. Alexa Bliss has been brilliant in the build-up. To just remove it and have Cena come in and, pardon me, instead of Randy Orton. Bit of a daft thing, I think. But moving on to Monday Night Raw, uh, The Miz 
We were all questioning why last week on Central the Miz was in the Elimination Chamber. Well, he's not there anymore. He's removed himself from the Chamber. He says he never asked to be in the Chamber and he will be waiting in the wings to see whoever wins that match away, keeping a close eye on this match. I think common sense prevailed there. I think WWE maybe had complaints of why is the guy with the guaranteed opportunity at a world title now going for a world title in a match that is meant to be the most deadly match of all. I know, because like, the, the only way I could see anything coming out of that would be in the event Miz won it. What does he do with Money in the Bank? Does that mean that he technically then has to try and go for a double gold situation and try and go for the mm. Universal Championship? In which case, you're making yourself a booking nightmare. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. I think, you know, Miz, Miz for the past few years, especially with that Continental title, built himself back up. Uh, everyone was, you know, clamouring for him to be round about the time in 2016 when SmackDown was really, really fucking good. Excuse the language there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think people wanted Miz to go for a title and he, he ended up not doing it. He ended up getting bounced from Raw to SmackDown to Raw to SmackDown. It's not a draft unless the Miz gets drafted. And the, the Miz and Morrison thing, I think, drags him down. No disrespect to John Morrison, but John Morrison, I think, needs the Miz a hell of a lot more than the Miz needs John Morrison. The Miz, I think, is so far past that now that I think he should be on his own. And we talk about, you know, the Elimination Chamber this year is going to be one world title match and then one number one contenders match for later in the night, that night against Roman Reigns. Edge is sort of hovering around. We don't know if he's going to take on Drew or Roman. According to Dave Meltzer, it's going to be Edge versus Roman Reigns. We've got Adam Cole and Finn Balor looking to be set up for the NXT title. Why is, would you call it, why is, why are we having Fastlane when we have Miz with the Money in the Bank contract? Can we not just have a bit of common sense this year and have Mr. Money in the Bank go, Hey, you know what? WrestleMania, this is mine. I'm going to cash in at WrestleMania. I know, like to me, like Fastlane, perhaps just take, take the like take the the heat off the main titles with it. Use it as something for building for the mid card titles to lead into. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's a, it's an excellent opportunity to spotlight your intercontinental and US title feuds. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, but I wouldn't even be adverse to like. See if they go right by the way after the Royal Rumble, we've got three weeks to the chamber and that's gonna be you know you know, they don't they don't have to, but common sense would say we're gonna make that for the other normal and contenders women's and men's title at WrestleMania and then just have six to seven weeks of really, really good T V with consequences in it where we set up the tag and the IC and the US and other feuds and all that. But I think with the network uh, model the way it is, they're charging people nine ninety nine a month. They really need to put a pay per view on there. And you know, as much as you know, in our bubble, NXT to us would be an acceptable substitute. I think for the the casual fan and the main roster fan, they want as many pay per views as possible. Aye, they want to. I'm just glad that we're not back at that model like when they've done what was it, like two or three years ago, where they had every brand had its own pay per view, and you ended up like two pay per views in a single month, months back to back. That was exhausting. Yeah, um, Hell in a Cell was meant to be like one of the big pay per views, and because SmackDown went first, it always felt that Raw was dragging because Raw was three hours of a show and SmackDown had already finished the pay-per-view that they were building towards. <laughs> so it was like, after like a big, like I remember after SummerSlam and after, after SummerSlam, there was three weeks of backlash and on the SmackDown two days after uh, SummerSlam, three matches for backlash were made 
and then two weeks was between Survivor Series and TLC and on the Smackdown after Survivor Series they made like five matches for TLC so it always felt like it was two hours it was quick it was to the point where Raw suffered for that because <laughs> Raw, went, Raw went second and then weirdly enough when they changed it round Smackdown suffered because Smackdown <laughs> were building towards the WrestleMania revenge feuds and then Smack Raw had had backlash already, so it'd like overtaken them. And it just didn't make any sense, and it became exhausting. Like that it was like like one pay per view is enough per month, but hitting me with two, and then booting them both like three and a half hours each. Of it, so that's seven hours of pay per view. Then you get your Mania ones, uh, SummerSlam being longer. Everything was getting longer as well to a point where I was like. This is exhausting. Yeah, it was good to see certain people getting chances and certain people getting matches on pay-per-views, but at the same time, it was like, when you watch certain matches, it was like, this is why they don't usually get chances. <laughs> like, you're, you're, a, you're a superstar and a Monday Night Raw guy, except another superstar out of Elimination Chamber is Lacey Evans. She is, in real life, pregnant, but on screen, it looks as if Ric Flair may be the daddy. Which is really, really such a disturbing disturbing storyline really it, it, it still gives me the heebies yeah it's absolutely minging it it's um, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting but we, we move swiftly on there um, congratulations <laughs> Lacey Evans in real life pregnant but it does it does leave the situation it, it did look like it was either going to be Lacey winning the title from Asuka and then defending it against Charlotte at Wrestlemania or you know Lacey and Charlotte maybe costing each other matches and having a, a grudge match at WrestleMania. And it now just seems like, where does the Raw brand go for here? I mentioned Taya Valkyrie. I think she's massively needed on Raw not to just go, not to go for the title straight away, but to just spice up that brand because it's very, it's very top heavy with Charlotte and Asuka. And there's no one really below them that is um, worthy or free to do a storyline at the minute with them. So it will be interesting to see how WWE handles this. Will Charlotte just snap and turn on Asuka? maybe lead to a rematch, you know, uh, of WrestleMania 34. I wouldn't be adverse to seeing those two feuds. I thought that's where we were going to be when they won the tag titles together. But it's just, Asuka at WrestleMania seems, you know, she was undefeated, she lost to Charlotte. She was a SmackDown Women's Champion, she lost eight days before and then lost the Battle Royal. Uh, her and Kyrie Sane were a really good tag team. They lost to Bliss and Cross, who also a very good tag team at the time, but it just felt like that was a nothing match that was thrown on the card last minute. So she's 0-3 at WrestleMania, considering she's undefeated at takeovers. That's a bit of a... I know, it's a bit, bit, it's of, a, a bit of a contrast, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the main things coming out of this is it'll be interesting to see how they, they book Charlotte and Asuka, because I think that is obviously the wrong match if Lacey Evans is now out, because I thought Rhea Ripley, Asuka was going to be the plan. Maybe it's Rhea Ripley, Charlotte too, and maybe Asuka just gets thrown aside again, which is unfortunate, but not much we can really say about that one. It's just my, my over-imagination running wild, I think. To me, I, I would put Rhea and Asuka against each other for the title and have Taya and Charlotte go at Mania in like a non-title match. That would be very good, actually. Some more news coming out of Raw this week. Kofi Mania too. It may be on the cards. <laughs> he didn't do it in the gauntlet match, but he might do it in the chamber. Miz wanted John Morrison, who is a former ECW world champion, as Miz rightly pointed out. Xavier Wood rightly pointing out that Kofi's won the title more recently than three of the people in the Chamber match. So, 
Kofi's now in the chamber. Is he just going to be cannon fodder, or, or do you believe? Do you believe in sequels? The Mighty Ducks too. <laughs> the Mighty Kofi too. The danger is, it's like, will the sequel live up to the hype after how good the first one was? That's the difficult part. I mean, the Flying V was still magical the second time I saw it. Um, so you know. Could we have the Kofi Mania Strikes Back? <laughs> We'll have the reboot in a few years' time on Disney Plus. <laughs> or, or will it, or will it be like episode two? Will it be Attack of the Kofi Mania? In which case, we just really want to forget it ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kofi Mania. We don't know if the sequel will live up to the first one, but um, we'll move on from WWE news just now. Uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything that's there. We'll move on to Impact Wrestling. No Surrender was this past weekend. A rather staunch name, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> We opened up, um, they had uh, Decay uh, defeated the team of XXL, so Decay now with their new member, Black Taurus, who is absolutely terrifying. David Campbell's now his biggest fan. Uh, the GOAT is the biggest Taurus fan on the planet now, apparently, so this is that's going to be a very interesting farmyard biology session for the teachers to teach, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they defeated AC Romero and Larry D. Um, who had to kneel with Tenille Dash within a six-person tag match. From what I've, from what I've heard, it's a, it's a pretty solid affair. I've sadly not had enough time to watch Impact lately. Secondly, we had Brian Myers and Hernandez defeated Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona. Who'd have thought? Where do with you guys? <laughs> I know. I, like, I keep forgetting Matt Cardona and Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder's such a catchy name. Matt Cardona sounds like an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cardona, accountants, at your service. <laughs> you know it. Brian Myers, Matt Cardona, I've been following like, the, the interaction here, having an impact, building towards a feud with it. just the two of them would be quite good, but I just I don't have enough time to watch TNA at times. Like, I've seen highlights, that's about it. Aye, that's a, it's, a, it's a pay-per-view as well, so I mean, they've, they've been quite busy lately. They had uh, Jake something, which is a really, really funny name, because I'm like, Jake something? I Jake something. Defeated Dina, um, who was with Eric Young and Joe Doring. Um, Josh Alexander apparently had an absolutely incredible showing in a triple threat revolver to determine the number one contender for the X Division Championship. He's kind of trying to find his way back after him and his tag team with, was it Ethan Page, the karate man? Yep. They, they kind of had their split. It's, from what I've heard, this was one of the highlight matches in the entire card. I've not heard a bad thing about this. And it, is gonna, it is on my, my intentions to watch it. We had, yeah, we had the women's tag titles were defended. Uh, a Texas Tornado no, dis- no disqualification match because we like to throw wild stipulations out there. Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels retained against Havoc and Nevia. I keep saying Nevia like the like skincare cream by accident. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, an Impact X Division Championship match. TJP defeated Rohit Raju, keeping his title with him. Did, wasn't he Relic or something lately? Didn't he go on Relic? Um... I don't think so, no, just looking at... Are you talking about uh, TJP or Rajiv? I, I TJP, he was under a mask recently, but I must have missed when that happened. Like, this is where your brother would keep me in check. Yeah, he was manic, he was suicide, he was... And then he's just back to, I think, TJP. That's it. Then we had a, a nice wee six-women six tag match with uh, Jordan Grace, Jazz and ODB defeating Diona Parazzo, Kimberly and Susan, which I still think is probably the most weird of Sue Young's gimmicks recently. Did you just say Susan? Yep, Susan, that's what she's currently going as right now. She comes out, <laughs> she comes out looking like, we say Matt Cardona sounds like an accountant, Susan looks like an accountant when she comes out right now. I, I love how in the women's division, like you had names just like Paige, Charlotte, Susan, like you never have 
and making his way to the ring, Darren. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Like, there's a reason. There's a reason people people don't tune in to our 365 title <laughs> shenanigans. Because no one believes someone like Dave or Scott could win a belt. <laughs> then we had the uh, there were a three-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Championship. The Good Brothers retained over the teams of Chris Saban and James Storm and Private Party who had Matt Hardy in their corner. So that's more of those forbidden door shenanigans as we've got multiple promotions working together. And finally, Rich Swan retained over Tommy Dreamer. Pretty big, pretty big card that overall. And I don't know if you've got it noted down already, but with I mentioned the Forbidden Door, worth mentioning, Finjuice mm-hmm. appeared on Impact Tuesday night as well. Set up a feud with the Good Brothers. I think as well, uh, I was reading, uh, the Good Brothers are really the people wrestling fans should be thanking uh, thanking I uh, thanking uh, for this sort of forbidden door shenanigan because uh, it was them wanting to work with both Impact and New Japan along with Don Callis's relationship with doing the the English commentary that really made really made all of this possible. I know when uh, Okada got sent out on excursion and was basically made to be the Green Hornet sidekick <laughs> um, that did damage the reputation but it looks as if things could be on the up now. Impact, very like people are saying, oh well, they've got more to gain. Yeah, and they're being very smart about it. They're being very smart, grabbing onto the new shiny toy of wrestling in AEW and the the internet's favourite promotion in New Japan. If you want to create a buzz, you get the shiny new toy and you get you know the underground indie thing, and you work with both of them. You're getting both those creds, you know what I mean? So I don't see what the issue is. And there's kind of two other big things came out of that as well. One is Meltzer is reporting that in the pipeline when travel restrictions ease up is Okada could be seen in both Impact and AEW, which is massive, much as much as Stephen with a PH Wilson doesn't like to hear. <laughs> I think <laughs> someone like Okada who has who is so revered and so loved in New Japan you see a lot of wrestlers who maybe don't make it in WWE go to the indies and then eventually go back like I've got unfinished business there I need to make my name there I think Okada's never really other than with maybe Ring of Honor through the Japan relationship he's never really made it in America I think he's wanting to maybe tick that off the list you know he's had umpteen you know, seven, eight, nine, ten star matches, whatever the schedules, whatever the, you know, scale's on now. He's, you know, done everything in Japan. Maybe just that's one thing, just for personal pride, he wants to tick off. Yeah, I mean, he's going for that. And also Impact are apparently in talks with Kaiji Muto, who, the great Muto, who just won the NOAA championship at the weekend there. He's apparently been in talks to go over to America and defend it on Impact. And that's a big deal since he's one of only three men to hold the AGPW Triple Crown Championship, the NOAA Championship, and the New Japan IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And he's like 58 and he's still going. It's big. Yeah, so obviously a legend of the industry, like Great Muta, coming in. That does as well. That, like people, people like me who don't really watch Japanese wrestling except for the big shows know about you know the Great Muta. There's someone that's referenced on like WWE as well a lot. I uh, said so this is like this is like this whole what seemed to just start out as a little thing that impact in AEW. It seems to have grown arms, legs, tentacles, hooves, everything, and it's an exciting time for us as fans. Yeah, 
linking obviously Impact and uh, AEW together, uh, Sammy Callahan, Sammy Guevara, <laughs> has apparently got some backstage heat with Tony Khan himself. Uh, apparently, when Sammy was removed from the inner circle, um, he he apparently not not him, but Chris Jericho basically put him forward for an angle. Tony Khan liked the idea. They phoned Impact, saw Impact, and said, "You know, what do you think about having Sammy?" They said, "Yeah, okay." Apparently, he got there and he wasn't a fan of the idea and turned it down. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, it's something he should have said no to. It's something that didn't make a lot of sense. And apparently they went with Black Taurus instead. So that leads me to think, did they want Sammy in Decay? Which wouldn't make sense as, to like, me. Yeah, as maybe like, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest, you know, Chris Jericho in this current iteration of Chris Jericho, you know, not on screen, off screen, you know, when he's basically Dad Rock, he's Bon Jovi, you know. Look, your your fashion sense was great in the eighties, mate, but it's not happening now. You know, you're a dad, get over it. <laughs> he's obviously thought something was a great idea. Tony Khan has went along with Jericho. Sammy Guevara has said no to it. Uh, apparently, when he was on his way to TV, so this is this is confusing thing to me. Apparently, he said no to it. According to some reports, Dave Meltzer saying he didn't say no to it. He said he didn't like it, but was still going to do it. He went to TV, and on his way there, Chris Jericho phoned him and went, "Yeah, you shouldn't go." Uh, and by the way, Tony Khan wants to speak to you. So it, it, it's one of those stories I think that's grown arms and legs. Dave Meltzer says it's not heat, as in we're not going to push him, but they were maybe worried that it would damage the relationship with Impact. I think. As I said, AEW is the shiny new toy at the minute. AEW, I think, is more likely to get away with some of these things. Whereas if an Impact star maybe did this to AEW, that could possibly jeopardise the relationship. Aye, that's it. AEW's got the leverage because they have the money, they have the viewers, to an extent they have the power. Um, and it is when you, like, as you said, there's so much conflict in the story. I, I heard that it was a case of Guevara did get there and apparently pitched alternatives, but, you know, it's one of these things that only people that will probably ever actually know are the people. It'll be one of these stories that will probably eventually get told in full detail years down the line when folk are retired. But like, remember that time? This is what really happened. And it probably turns out to be something that's absolutely stupid. Yeah, it's, it is a weird one. Um, obviously, that leads us on to AEW. AEW on tonight. Um, news broken last hour. Luther will be taking on Orange Cassidy. Uh, we've got FTR versus Mike and Matt Seidel. We've got Matt Hardy and Hangman Page versus TH2. We've got the AEW Women's World Title Eliminator round one, uh, Serena Deeb versus Riho. That's obviously the US block. We'll talk about the Japanese block in a wee minute. I know you've got an interest in that. Uh, the AEW World Champion, uh, tag, sorry, World Tag Team Championships are on the line. The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Rumours going around that there might be a big title switch tonight, so that'll be something to tune into there. Uh, Sting is going to call, call out Team Taz as he and TNT champion Darby Allen prepare to face them at Revolution. And John Moxley, Lance Archer, and Ray Phoenix are going to take on Eddie Kingston, Butcher, and Blade. Uh, a sad thing, right, to say the least. For me, however, like I think I'll watch it on delay because I, I want to see what's happened with Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. That's what's hooking me for Wednesday night. But 
AEW are going all out tonight. I would not be surprised to see them win the ratings again for this one. I know there's a whole like the, the whole ratings thing. We just see it constantly and brought up. And in all honesty, I'm one of these people that I could not give two hoots. I watch both shows. It's just a case of I, I find it easier for me to get a hold of AEW because I, I subscribe on site. I pay like three pound a month, so I can watch yeah. it any time. And you know, the AEW are definitely going all out tonight. I think the biggest omission is. I don't see any mention of Omega being there. Usually he's there pretty much every week, bigging himself up and that. So there's no talk of Omega, no talk of the Good Brothers, no other sort of forbidden door shenanigans yet. I'm kind of maybe hoping, a little bit of hope that after what happened in Impact with Injus, could we maybe see some mm-hmm. other surprises? Uh, is Kenta going to make himself appear again to go after Moxley? That excites me. Well, yeah, I'm like you. I, I, I really couldn't care less about um, the ratings. I've got BT Sport because I've got I mean, BT is my broadband provider who, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it's them or my computer tonight, but they've not exactly put themselves in good good <laughs> stead with me. A Fury's letter will be wrote, but you know, I've, I've got BT Sport because I want to watch the Champions League. I want to watch, you know, Rangers and Celtic in Europe. I want to watch, you know, the football and I can get it pretty cheap because I'm with BT broadband. So the fact that the wrestling's on that always makes NXT an easier, an easier watch for me. But yeah, AW going all out tonight. Ratings really don't matter to me, and I would be interested to see um, what happens with the World Title Eliminator because that you've watched the Japanese one, I believe. You watched yeah. the Japanese too. I love the fact that they put the Japanese one was all put up on YouTube on Monday night as a free review, and they had quite a good bit of exposure for. Some of the talents have been seen on AEW back when they used the Joshi wrestlers kind of near the beginning when they started. Some are yeah. ones that even I've not really seen or heard much of, and there's one or two that I just absolutely love. Um, kind of running through it was um, Yuka Sakazaki defeated Mei Suruga um, in the opening match. Uh, these were all filmed in the Ice Ribbon Dojo in Japan. Uh, no fans. So it's, it's quite jarring after the fact that we have had some level of fans at a lot of shows recently that we watch online to suddenly going back to like there being no one at all. It's quite jarring at first, but entertaining. Yeah, very much so. Uh, there was Amy Sakura who defeated Venny. Uh, Venny's one that I've never seen before, but we've all, anyone that's been watching AEW for long enough has probably remember Amy Sakura coming out with a kind of dodgy Freddie Mercury gimmick. <laughs> The third match, which was probably my favourite, was Rio Mizunami, who's like a 16-year veteran. She defeated Maki Ito, who I was absolutely rooting for because Maki Ito is hilarious. Um, especially for the fact that she has went as far as to piss off Jim Cornette just by existing. Um, <laughs> he, 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 he called it all shit and everything like that, so she sent a, she quote tweeted him with a picture of her covered in chocolate saying, I am the god of shit. That was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. That was absolutely priceless. Um, she comes out with like this infectious pop music where she sings her own entrance, does this really crazy choreographed dance which you only see in Japan. Uh, but sadly, she got beat and the last one was Aja Kong beat Rin Kadokura. Um, for anyone that remembers Aja Kong, she is big, she is angry, and holy shit, she is scary. <laughs> so that was round one. So is it just a case of like they're out? For that side of the bracket, that's it. They, those winners go through to the, the round two, which is again in Japan. Apparently, from what I've heard, it is the plan that the finals are going to be held at Revolution. Right. So it's is it a case of like a block one and a block two? There's a Japanese and American block. Ah, uh, essentially, you've got the the Japanese block is like one half the bracket on the right hand side. The left hand side right. is all the American, and essentially, the winner of the American finals will face the winner of the Japanese finals. 
the Japanese ones will probably all have to have been, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already finished recording because if they're doing the travel, like uh, when, when New yeah, Japan, any, anyone coming from America into New Japan at the moment, they always have to do a two week quarantine when they first arrive in Japan. So I wouldn't be yes. surprised if the same applies the other way. It's probably as well why they didn't have any fans, uh, just so nobody could leak it. Um, but yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm not a, a regular AEW viewer. I do try to tune in. I, I certainly watch all the pay per views. It's the same way Impact. When I get a chance, I watch the pay per views. But whenever they say, "Oh, there's a world title eliminator," and you're like, "Oh, so it's a tournament?" It, no, it's a it's an eliminator. Like, what, what the hell is that? I didn't realise it was like block one, but I've not had a chance to like, sit down. <laughs> they call it a, an eliminator. It is a tournament. It is simply a, like a, like a, like a tournament. They're, they're just putting really daft names on it, which really frustrates me because I would have loved it if it was blocks and that, but the current climate doesn't allow for it. Yeah. Um, so obviously New Japan, uh, I believe they, they're on a tour just now. Uh, Grant and you, you wanted to talk about the injury to some of the young lions, I believe. Yes, unfortunately they had a they had a brand new young lion, Yuto, Na, Na, sorry, Yuto Nakashima. Uh, MMA background that he's been training at the New Japan Dojo going through all the motions which young lions do you never see them until eventually they're allowed on the card his debut mm-hmm. match less than a minute he gets caught at an awkward angle when he's going down and dislocated his elbow it was bad and that's it he's confirmed as being out the rest of the tour which is a shame you know they've mm-hmm. done probably the best part of a year or two's training and suddenly you're out I was absolutely heartbroken for the guy um topped off with a, a kind of a revelation from today which was Tetsuya Naito had to spend today's card uh, off it with a knee injury says that he's going to be okay for his title match against Ibushi for the IC title at the end of the month but I'm keeping an eye on that I'm worried about that one <laughs> Is there much more happening in Japan this week or is it going to be a case of a little more news next week? It'll be more next week this is all the Road 2 shows so they are doing a ton of these Road 2 shows but they are more about just building things up towards nothing big usually happens in them but we did have one big match today which was Yuji Nagata and Sanada had a singles match for the first time in 10 years because of Naito's injury which was beautiful to watch to say the least um, and they have had to cancel one of their events which was in Fukushima because of the earthquake the venue got damaged so they are down a show as well well that'll obviously be the Japan section of the of the show because obviously I know very little about Japanese wrestling. The other McLeod would know a lot, a lot more. I'm sure there'd be a back and forth here, but I'm very... Look, okay. <laughs> I knew about three names you mentioned there. Um, I'm just, would you call it, I'm just looking at the news here just because we had a lot to cover. Um, oh, just quickly, something we forgot on the WWE section. Uh, Bad Bunny is going to be the musical guest this week on Saturday Night Live. And he's going to be there as the 24-7 champion, uh, which is very smart for WWE, by the way. This isn't just a, a Colin Jost, you know, and Michael Che getting to be on WWE and then giving nothing in return on Saturday Night Live. This is Bad Bunny. He's, he's People might not like him, but he's the biggest music star currently on Spotify. You know, you don't have to like him to know that. Um, <laughs> He's now the 24-7 champion and he's going to appear on possibly one of the biggest primetime shows in America as the 24-7 champion. That is that is massive for me. I'll, I'll admit, I didn't really know who the guy was before he appeared, but then, as, as pointed out, look at his Instagram. 26 million followers. The man is huge. Yeah. So, you know, just because you've not heard of someone doesn't mean they're not big. 
that's that's a good moral of the story there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, like I believe it was Sh- uh, D uh, or Pineapple Pete from AEW that said like your bubble's not as big as you think it is, which is what I always say about what you call it about when we talk about AEW and New Japan about how like oh my god this is this is groundbreaking like for our wee thing yes like, but the only groundbreaking wrestling things really happen in WWE and they only really happen when it's a big person that does it like wrestling has its own bubble yeah that's there, there is something like that I mean even when I talk about New Japan I watch other things like Noah and DDT which is then again even more niche when I watch it it feels pretty big what I'm seeing but I'm like that bubble's not yeah. that big because most people are like, what are you talking about, Grant? Yeah. Uh, I'm just seeing here, New Japan cancelled Road to Castle event. I'm just looking, just before we wrap up, I'll just give you some of the headlines just because I had to check. This is credit to Wrestling Inc. here because I had to use them to check what was happening on AEW tonight. WWE has seriously high hopes for their new signing, Millie McKenzie, which is good for people like you. Grant, you're obviously a massive fan of her. MVP got a leg injury last uh, on Monday Night Raw. Uh, you saw, I don't know if, the ca- if anyone caught it, but the camera cut to them. Uh, it was Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander carrying him to the back uh, after the Hurt Business loss to Lucha House Party and Matt Riddle. You also saw him at the top of the ramp being held up by Bobby Lashley. So, knee injury, hopefully nothing too serious, but at the same time, he's like the fourth guy in the heart business. He's mostly the mouthpiece, so him not wrestling, I don't think, is going to be the worst thing. Nia uh, Jax <laughs> apparently walked out of the Raw Talk set after receiving too many jokes about her home. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Caruso. I'm, I'm reading this now. I don't know if it's a... Apparently, Jack says no one's laughing and refused to be part of the jokes to Charlie Caruso said, holy moly, Hanford. <laughs> oh my God, that is beautiful. Oh. I don't even know what to say to it. It's just like, it's just wild. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, I, I don't think it was, I think Raw Talk, uh, like Tom's Mark, is sort of giving people a bit more a, a bit more of a, a personality and I think they're free to do what they want so I think um, if she walked out I don't think it was anything bad because Nia Jax is quite funny on Twitter she does seem to have a sense of humour so I think maybe she thought it was the right thing for the character to do hopefully she's not taking offence to that because it's not nice when people aren't part of the joke and yeah Millie McKenzie just to, to follow up on that has been signed to work for NXT UK the dark matches apparently they have some there you go she's set to be featured at the top of the NXT UK women's division alongside Japanese wrestling's Miko Satomura did I pronounce that right? I, I did Miko Satomura perfect <laughs> um, and then just mentions about how she played a central role in the speaking out movement and former Defiant Women's Champion and will also feature on Progressive's Chapter 104 on the network. So I think that, I'm just looking, that's pretty much everything covered. We've covered everything else that's on here. It has been the action-packed show. We have, I think we've crammed <laughs> as much as we possibly could. And, you know, we had we had four, I believe it was me, you, Dave, and Sarah last week, and there really wasn't much to talk about. And <laughs> now when it's been just me and you, we have had an absolute shit ton to talk about. So thank you for helping me through this absolute crazy week in wrestling through my horrendous Wi-Fi and computer cutting out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure it's been absolutely bad but you know we made it through like true professionals we survived we did the, the, 
the only, Ryan can call him the last, we are the only professional journalists on ESSR broadcast or otherwise, thank you very much. And Stephen uh, like got themselves a two-man power trip, we're the real two-man power uh, trip here. Exactly, exactly. The only two that showed up for work are oh, those fumble <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but if you'd like to hear more uh, from each Sleep Suplex retweet from people who have not bothered to show up tonight, uh, you can find many a show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor and Android. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on all the major uh, platforms. And Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet fan community on Facebook. You can get involved in the conversation there and we can, can all have a wee bit of a banter about wrestling. You know, you, we won't walk out if you talk about our holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be it for this week. <laughs> As Grant <laughs> tries to hold it together. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. <laughs> <laughs>